0: Our Father, will thank you because you've prepared a special word for us this evening. And we will receive that word in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe what I'm about to say, I want you to say amen. This evening, the Lord will give you the spirit of wisdom. He will give you the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. You will be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And as a result of it, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You will please Him in all respects. You will bear fruit in every good work, Amen. and you will increase in the knowledge of God. Amen. This evening, as you incline your ears to his word, the word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you a light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. It will heal you in every area. Amen. Now listen to that. It will heal you in every area. Amen. It will heal the mental confusion that you are experiencing. Amen. It will heal the mental disturbance that is in your soul. Somebody thinks you have a mental issue, but this word will eradicate it this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. It will heal your body. It will heal your body. If the doctor says something in you is incurable, this evening that thing will be healed. This word will come forth and it will heal your body in the name of Jesus Christ. And most importantly, the word will eradicate every ungodliness that remains in you so as to perfect the image of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Alright, the Lord is good? The The Lord is good? All All Alright, let's open our Bibles. We are going to continue looking at what salvation is. That's what we have been talking about. This is what salvation is. We must understand what salvation is. And today I want to take take a number of scriptures. First of all, let's start from the book of John. I think we should start with that one the encounter of the Lord Jesus Christ with his people after the resurrection. John chapter 20, let's start from verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, please notice that that Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, please quickly just go back to the book of Genesis. I'm sure it's something we all know, but I just feel like we should read it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being or a living soul. I just want that particular verse, that the Lord formed man from that dust, and then He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Then when Jesus, after resurrection, came. He breathed upon his disciples. Now let me use the expression, the breath of life. He said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now what Holy Spirit was he talking about? Because we know that the, the Holy Spirit came on the day of um, Pentecost. And then they received the anointing to be effective for him. Now I mentioned this briefly last time because this is where we wanted to start from last time. But of course, um, we didn't get there much. So we're just going to pick it up from there. I want us to understand something. We are talking about what salvation is. This is what salvation is. It is God creating a new species of human beings for himself. This is what salvation is. Salvation is God looking at mankind and separating his own, and they are literally different. This is what salvation is. Salvation is God removing the old man I'm producing a new man in Christ Jesus. That is why you hear Paul say, say in that 2 Corinthians 5, that if anyone is in Christ, the person is a, well, you can use creature or creation. All right? There is a new creation, some Bibles we say. Literally, if anyone is in Christ, God has produced something new, something different. It is not just a cliche that we use in church when we say, I'm a new creation. It is not just Christian talk to say that I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. That is God's purpose. Now let me just say this briefly. That was always God's agenda. I have this conviction, many of you may not realize it, that even if Adam did not fall, God would still have had to produce a new creation. The new creation is not the afterthought or afterthought that came because man fell and God lost something. No. Not at all. You must understand that this Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of everything. Now, the reason is because there is a new level. Please, let me explain it again. I want to use Job as an illustration today. We are talking about what salvation is. I said salvation is in three levels. There is salvation in the past. There is salvation that is continuous. And there is salvation in the future. All of these things constitute salvation. Many of the times we are confused that we we disagree with each other in Christianity is because we don't realize it. When we well, see the word salvation in the Bible, all right, to, salvation means to save, to salvage. Do you get my point? Is to deliver. Deliverance comes in different levels. The first stage is what we call reconciliation. We talked about that then, that the prodigal son he was brought back to the father now he became a son again. Even though he came back, he wanted to be a servant. He had lost his position of sonship. Now he returned and became a son. All right? However, he still had to develop in the house. He still had to learn the things he did not learn before he left. And these things are not imposed on you all of a sudden. That's why Paul said, you must work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. The fact is that you are not perfect the way God wants it to be yet. That process which we call uh, progressive sanctification is all that is another expression for it, is something we must get involved in every day. Then there is a final salvation which will be changed in the twinkling of an eye when the Lord Jesus will return. At that point there is no chance, now listen to what I want to say there is no, there will be no chance of backsliding. At that point there will be no chance that the devil could tempt you and make you sleep away. At that point, John said that we will be exactly like him because we will see him as he is. As soon as God is fully revealed in his whole glory, we will be transformed and we will have a body like his own. That's the future uh, salvation. But the first position of salvation, the first point of salvation is the one we experience at the new birth. My emphasis today is that it's a real creation. God does something totally new on the earth. A child is born. Do you get my point? A child is born. A child is born. Yes, the child is not talking yet, but the child is born. The child is not walking yet, but the child is born. The child cannot do anything for himself yet, but the child is born. That's what they call reconciliation. Now, let me quickly go back to this because I will not teach in details about this in this series, but let me recommend it, um, True Righteousness Revealed, one of the messages we preached some time ago. Please go and get it and listen to it. It's on our website true righteousness revealed. Let me just really say something about it for a moment, about what righteousness is. Righteousness, again, comes in two categories like that. Or two, or let me say, two ways of looking at it, all right? When that child that's born we're talking about, when the child comes into this earth, he has done nothing right, she has done nothing right. She has done nothing wrong. Yet, this child is the child of the father. Listen, let me just use a British um, um, royal family okay, as um, an example. Now, in the British royal family, this is what happens. Assuming right now, who's the, 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 who's the queen? Queen Elizabeth, right? And the first in line to the throne is whom? Prince Charles. Now, when Prince Charles was a small boy... And his brother, you know, so when Prince Charles was a small boy, he was first in line to the throne. Does he have any other brother? Did he have? Okay, is it? An, um, no, no, no it's not Andrew. Is it? Anyway, let's assume Andrew. I can't remember their names. Okay, that was second in line. As an example, now don't quote that because we're not sure we got the name right. But as soon as he married Diana, and William was born, automatically. William became second in line to the throne and that's his brother, who's William's uncle, dropped one step. As soon as Harry was born, Harry became third in line to the throne and that brother became fourth in line to the throne. Are you getting my point? Now, as soon as William dropped the first son, when his wife, what's his wife's name again? Kate. Once Kate Middleton delivered the first child, then, um, Harry dropped a step. He was, so it's now Charles, number one, William, number two, William's son, now number three, then Harry. Then when Kate dropped a second child, can you see what I'm going to say? Now, my emphasis is that these are children being dropped, being delivered. They can't walk yet, yet they take a position in the line to the throne. So, United, that this person is number 500 to the throne because when you calculate the whole family, And some people along the line are just infants. Neonates, actually, some of them. Born yesterday. Can't do anything. Can't take a throne. But they are recognized as heirs to the throne. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. So as soon as you're born, the seed of God is in you. So when somebody gives his life to Christ, there are things that will change drastically. There are things that will not change drastically. Some bad habits will not go away. Some hurts in the soul will not go away. Some disappointments the fellow has had over time, which created a particular behavior. They are still locking inside there. And the man that helped me understand that was Peter, of course. Peter, when he was analyzing the life of Simon, Simon who believed and was baptized... Peter said to him, listen to this, you are still in the gull of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity, a man who had believed. And according to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and according to the words of John, the seed of God was in him. Once you are born again, listen, when we say born again, it's not a joke. If God gave you eyes and you could look into the realm of the spirit, you are not the normal homo sapiens. One of the problems we have on this earth, all right, which is why you have to be very careful when you are reading things. When medical science tells you something, okay, like now they tell you coronavirus kills maybe 1% of those that, um, in fact, actually we don't think it's up to 1%, all right, just to give you information. Because right now, it's difficult to know the number of people it infects. Do you understand? It's very difficult, all right, because it infects children like it infects adults, but children will eat it with their breakfast and that's it, it's gone. So it's difficult to know. So the number of people that it actually kills, we don't know, all right, for sure, proportion. But now we think it's about 1%, all right? But actually, I think it's far less, all right? Now, this is where I'm going. When you research things, don't think that that thing is random. By faith, we understand. Without faith, we have no understanding. So by faith, we know that, yes, there can be a pandemic, but the spirit of death has a list, The spirit of death, death knows who is supposed to kill, who is not supposed to kill. When the spirit of death comes, he will check his list. Sometimes this hide works. God will tell the spirit of death, kill everybody minus. So he has a list of who to spare. Other times he has a list of who to kill. So no matter how much people fall sick, he will look and say mm. because death is an active process. It's not a result it's not an automatic result of disease. When it's time to die, the spirit of death has to come and affect it. Otherwise, the fellow can be sick for 200 years. If all that God grants is the spirit of infirmity, if the judge only rules concerning the spirit of infirmity, the fellow will be there for a very long time. So we understand all of these things. Now, this is where I'm going. So when we realize that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, when you read statistics, don't look at your life like that. You're not a, your matter is not a game of chance. Spiritual things are spoken about you. Life is uttered about you. I'm not going to say something here. You know what Jesus said about it? Or was it Jesus or John that said it? Let's quickly read what John said. That's in that John chapter 3. Is it it 1 or 3? That is born of flesh is flesh. That is born of spirit is spirit. John chapter 3 verse verse, um, 4. Let me just read verse 6. It said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed when I say to you, you must be born again. Now, when Jesus said this, all right, he was teaching us a thing that really would, was going to happen. It was really going to happen. God was going to create a new, let me use the expression, subspecies of human beings. Pardon me to use medical science, all right? Microbiology to teach, briefly. Now, I don't. I'm looking for something that's very simple. Okay, how many of you, all of us, have heard of E. coli? You've never heard of E. coli. If you have never heard of E. coli, say I've never heard of. Just say it. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Look at the corozo. E. coli. It's a very commonly, is it that I'm so immersed in the hospital, I don't realize what's going on outside. Okay, you've heard of staphylococcus. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Of course, you have heard of staphylococcus. You have heard of staphylococcus. No, I want that E. coli. That E. coli is what I want. Okay, you know what they call colon? Colon, colon, human colon. Animals have colon. We all have colon, right? Uh Now, that's where the word coli comes from. Is in the colon. It's plenty there. All right? E is abbreviation for the first name. The first name is really long. All right. It's really long, so let's not bother by pronouncing it. Now, E. coli is found in everybody's gut. If they take your feces, most of it, not, maybe not absolutely, but a huge percentage of it is bacteria. And they're not bad. They make your vitamin K. Just for your information, that's why you don't circumcise children before the eighth day apart from the fact that God said it, medically, you also don't do it. because they are likely to bleed because they have not formed their own vitamin K enough. All right? The, the, the gut needs time to become polluted with bacteria. Now, this is why I'm talking about it. When we are talking, the, we're talking about E. coli now, they have different brands. <laughs> Can I use the word brand? Most of the one that is there doesn't do anything. So, in medical science, we'll not create, but, we, but it's one of the causes of food poisoning. When you call food poisoning? You eat food, you start having diarrhea. Yeah, it's one of the causes. There are a number of other bacteria. Now, the ones that will cause food poisoning, he has a name. So, we'll not put, we not add a sub name to it, something like food poisoning causing E. coli. Do you understand my point? I don't want to give you the medical name. Let's not get this too technical. Then, there's another one that do, does more than that. It will just destroy the walls of the, Gut. We we'll now give it another name: the E. coli that can destroy the wall of the gut. If we were to look at them in the microbiology lab, the simple—you culture it, you look under the microscope—they all look the same. All of them look the same. They all look the same. It's difficult on that level to tell which one does it, which one doesn't do this. There's the reason I'm using that illustration. Of course, there are things, there are tests that. That will be done to identify which one separate one type from another type, okay. But what I'm going to emphasize is that look on the surface, they all look the same. That's talking about physical creatures now, but within them, there are subsets that have certain genes, with certain you know, traits carried by some genes that make them very dangerous. You don't eat some of them with your food, it's not allowed they cause infections meanwhile this normally there are millions and millions as you're, in your gut as you stand like that there are plenty and they don't cause problems what am I trying to say not all bacteria are the same even though they all look all equal like now they may all look the same now let's bring it back to human level so you see human beings they all look the same so god came one day and began to inject a certain trait into some types, of, some of them. Anyone that has that trait, that spiritual gene, let me use that expression, it becomes a subclass of human beings. When I say subclass, I don't mean inferior, but a special group among the homo sapiens level. So Jesus said, those ones are born of the spirit. But if you look on the surface, they, look, they don't look any different. They eat normal food. They go out normally. What? In fact, the real difference with them is when you talk to them. Their are standards in life. Another thing that makes them different, this subspecies of human beings, is the kind of thing that attracts them. The things of the Spirit of God attracts them. Do you understand? They have this inherent reverence for the Word of God. They Listen to this, very careful. Very careful, listen to this, and you must pay attention, all right? They love the company of believers. If you see any Christian that avoids a company of believers, the fellow is backsliding. Listen, there is no explanation he wants to give. He or she is backsliding. Listen, I have been a Christian for a long time. I don't mean it's a matter of bragging. I just want to tell you something from my experience. I have never seen a Christian that looks for every excuse to keep away from the company of believers that's not backsliding. I've never seen one. They are always backsliding. Always. They will tell you all kinds of stories, but they are backsliding. It's backsliding that covers that spirit of Christ. For certain reasons, they backslide, and then they don't enjoy the company of believers anymore. Otherwise, let me give you an example. Look, this is a matter of fact. No matter... Listen, as a human being, if I put you in, an, in, a, in a jungle, there are gorillas there, there are antelopes there, there are crocodiles there, There are pythons there, and there are dogs. One week, you are okay. Two weeks, you are okay. But the third week, you are beginning to become not okay. After some time, you are not normal anymore. You almost go mad. Even though you have your dog, the man's best friend. What they mean by man's best friend? That amongst the other species, amongst people, man is man's best friend. I hope you get my point. The person you want to associate with are human beings like yourself. Those are the persons you want. Not the gorilla. The gorilla is a matter of curiosity for the first few days. Do you get my point? All the other animals, they are matters of curiosity for the first few days. When you don't see normal human beings, you literally will go crazy after a while. I remember one movie I watched many years ago. I can't remember the name. But Tom Hanks acted in that movie. He got he had a plane crash. He was stranded alone on an island. He gave his ball a name, Humphrey. He used to quarrel with the ball. He just <laughs> he drew a face on the ball. He would have conversations with Humphrey. Then one day he was shouting, Humphrey, I'm sorry, because Humphrey, I think fell into the water. So he imagined his mind that Humphrey is angry with him. He was standing for like three years or so. He had food. It was a fertile island. The animals going up and down. He built himself small, a small place to stay. But he needed human con- you know, contact to remain sane. So he gave his boy the name Humphrey. Now, what am I saying? In all of these things. There is a seed. When the seed of that new creation is inside you, it attracts you one of the first things it does is that the word of God becomes palatable. Do you get my point? If you are not born again, the preaching of the word is boring. The Bible is boring. If they give you spiritual things, there's no interest. You can't even connect with it, you can't relate with it. But the moment you get born again, the spirit of God Suddenly begins to open scriptures to you. The word of God now begins to attract you. It becomes attractive to you. You want to sit down and hear it. When they tell you about Jesus Christ, it excites you. The reason is because a new seed has been dropped inside you. It's not a natural thing, it's a result of the working of that new spirit. You are now a subclass, you know, a subclass now, a special group amongst the common human beings. Just like I told you, if you look in the normal microscope, you can't tell the difference between these subclasses of E. coli I was telling you about. You can't. You need special tests to know that this one can invade the water of the colon. The normal one inside your gut does not do that. You need special tests to know that this one will cause this type of food poisoning. It produces, it secretes this, this kind of toxin. It has this kind of trait. But on the surface, they don't look like that. In the same manner, when God decided on what he was going to do, concerning the new creation, he decided not to change us outside, uh, outwardly. What he did was to put a seed. Literally, he gives birth to a child. But emphasis now, being child. Knowing nothing, but displacing somebody on the line. Are you, know, you getting my point? Because it's a real human being. Yes, they understand that this is the next king. Or, if this one doesn't take the throne, the next one will be, even though this boy was born just last week. And he displays his uncle that's 50 years old. He displays his uncle that's 70 years old. He displays his uncle that's 30 years old. But he was born just last week. Because he's a complete human being. He can't walk, he's a complete human being. He can't talk, he's a complete human being. He can't do anything for himself. But one thing he can do is that he can suck the breast. So, you desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Peter understood that you give birth to a child today, he needs to grow, she needs to grow. But as a matter of fact, there is a new creation. That is the first step in salvation. There is a new creation. Sometimes God does a miracle, and I want to say it's a miracle. If you see any dramatic change in somebody that got born again yesterday, it's a miracle that God did. That's not the normal order. Some people will tell you that the day I gave my life to Christ, I stopped smoking. It's not because of that seed. There have been people who didn't give their life to Christ, a pastor prayed for them, they couldn't smoke again. I read that from Meli Carota's book. As a young, you know, as a pastor those days in the army, he became a believer, was a, a chaplain in the army. So he used to preach about the power of God. So people were mocking him. So one man came and said, "He said God has power. He said, yes. I want you to pray that I won't smoke again. Now normally, if you know God well, it doesn't take on such challenges. If you don't want to smoke, beg me. You don't, you don't threaten me. As if your smoking is not killing you. Is, is it killing any angel in heaven? I hope I get my point here. But sometimes we now think that that's the way it is. They are supposed to tell you that the day he gave his life to Christ, foul words left his mouth. It was literally the Lord took a coal, touched his mouth, and his mouth was cleansed. He never used a foul word again. He said he didn't try to resist it all. It wasn't like he was trying. Let me not use foul words. No. He just left church and realized that the foul words he was using didn't come out of his mouth again. I'm sending it to you today, is a miracle. Many Christians left there, they were as foul. I'm telling you. So when the said that day, that man stopped him, and when he finished discussing, he wanted to make excuses, but the Holy Spirit said, no, take off the challenge. So he said, all right, I'm going to pray for you, and you will never smoke again. That guy was not born again. He was tempting God, actually. When the character had just been filled with the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit said to him, pray your new language. So he put his hand on that guy, prayed in, the, in, the, in other tongues for a while, and told the man, you will never smoke again. And he left. The man said, good for this preacher. I've got him now. All I need to prove that he's a false prophet, take a cigarette, light it, and smoke it. So he went to sleep. It was in the evening. Next morning, he woke up, lit his cigarette. As soon as he touched his mouth, he vomited. He, he, he started retching. Not small vomito. He ran to the toilet, started vomiting. His stomach began to hurt. Ah, this one is a coincidence. He relaxed for a while. Took another cigarette. He put it to his mouth again. The whole process started again. Now, he wasn't born again. The seed of God was not in him. But the miraculous power of God hit him. He dared God. And God said, Don't kick against the pricks. You remember who the pastor? Oh boy. Your, Lord, your God, he is Lord. So sometimes you get those testimonies. As soon as I gave my life to Christ, everything just changed. Sometimes it happens. Most times it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, the, the move, you know, the, I don't want to use the word, the. but yes, it's part of it. The emotional, you know, you've been trained over time. You know some things are wrong, some things are right. So the day you give your life to Christ, all of those things put together, come, you know, they come back to your mind. And suddenly you know that some things are not right. You remember them from your childhood. So you put, pulling the soul energy you have to stop some of those things. It is not the working of that seed yet. It's not. It's a working of, let me use the word, environmental anointing. <laughs> environmental unction. Why am I saying all these things? Because many people have given their lives to Christ and they are disappointed that some things in their lives haven't changed. That's what I'm going to explain. They are surprised. Is it that I really didn't give my life to Christ? Some have been discouraged into backsliding because of that. But that's not it. The most important thing that that new seed does for you is what I've said. You suddenly begin to suck on the breast of heaven, the milk of heaven becomes palatable to you. Then you start growing. As you are growing, you understand the old nature starts dropping because some of these are atta- attached to the flesh, which God did not remove. But they start growing. You start dropping them off one by one. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes, not sometimes, many times God does miracles. Instant change for some people. Instant. Like I said, the initial emotional thrill actually can carry you for some time. We know, as a matter of fact, in medicine, your mother's immune, no, immunity carries you for six months. There are children that are born without a functional immune system. Doctors don't find out for six months. Because they are carried by their mother's immunity. And that's why babies in Africa hardly get malaria for the first six months of life. Their mother has so gotten malaria. (laughs) I I didn't say never. I just said hardly. Many injections you take as mothers, tetanus injection for mothers, is for the baby, it's not for the mother. When you go to hospital and say, "Okay, come and take anti-tetanus toxin," you know, it's not uh, toxoid. All right, we go to take um, tetanus toxoid. To boost your immunity against tetanus. It's not for you. It's for the baby. You take it early, you develop the immune system, the immunity, antibodies. The antibodies cross the placenta into the baby, and the baby can survive for that for six months, with that for six months. But he will now give the baby his own jab. So he has time because there's what we call neonatal tetanus. Babies die from it. They are born in places that are not very clean. Their cord is caught with dirty things, and they die. But they won't die if mother was immunized against tetanus. So that's how it is. Sometimes people give their lives to Christ. There is the environmental immunity. Do you get my point? The environmental cover. So that's it's so beautiful when they are in a place where there are so many believers. That helps them do right. That helps them do what is right. You know, that thing just carries them on. Giving the seed that is in them time to grow. Do you know the truth I found out? Do you know there are many people they didn't even give their life to Christ properly. Just being an a, 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 <laughs> just being a, in a Christian environment, they behave very well. We had those experience those were in school. When when you leave campus, it's when you know those who really were believers. NYC, when boys will go mad. I remember when I was serving those days, the NCCS, right? Okay, NCCF president came to my uh, my base. So he stayed with me. So he came to check on all the Christian coppers around. So he mentioned one guy. So I said, is he a Christian? So like, what do I mean? (laughs) Well, I said, I didn't know. Well, that's our, where's Jonathan? Is in the other hall, right? Okay, Jonathan knows, Jonathan, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, we serve in the same place. Not the same time, but like 50 years apart. I mean. <laughs> the Lord is good. But in the same local government, all right? So the guy said, eh. So that was that copper. I remember him. So when he heard the president was in town, and he was standing in my place, he told me that I said, I'm dead. He said, I'm dead. The banky that knows all my secrets. Ah, this man went to stay with him. Why didn't he stay somewhere else? So next day he saw me. He said, what did you tell him? i like, what did, you, what did I tell him? He said, I did not know you were one of us now. What do you want me to do? Ah, he said, his own is over. Because once people like that left the campus environment where the fellowship, the brethren kind of, they, they, they guarded you, they held you around, the true character in them began to show. As a matter of fact, listen, you, do, you don't know how much brethren are helping you until you are stone to where they are not present. You will just discover there are all kinds of possibilities. Nobody's watching you. No, no, but that is, let me just say this while you have the brethren, build your immunity. I told you before. The mother's immunity lasts for six months. Remember that? Doctors know it, so they they start putting vaccine into the baby. Now build your own immunity. Mama's vaccine, this immunity will soon leave you. Brethren, please, while you are amongst brethren, build your immunity. Everything we do as believers is done with the word of God. Study that word like your life depends on it. You know what? Actually, it does. You don't realize it yet because you are still around them. They pray with you. The fear of brethren is why you do right, not the fear of God. A lot of times, you know that. Say so, if my brethren catch me, wait till I go talk. Like, wait till oh, this money, if I steal it, and they're here in church, you know I'm dead. It doesn't cross your mind that God sees you anyway. That is what I call maternal immunity. <laughs> The body of Christ's immunity carrying you. While you are in that situation, please keep on building your knowledge, your understanding. Keep on building it. Keep on building it until it gets to a point when you are let free. You know, you are let alone. You realize that you now fear God all by yourself. You can feel His presence, like David said, "Where can I go from Your presence?" So please bear this mind. So true birth takes place, a new subset of human beings is produced when Jesus rose from the dead. See, when he breathed on those disciples, what he did was exactly what God did at the beginning. He breathed into Adam. Adam became a living soul. But you see something that the Bible talks about. It lets you know that there are two types of men now. Men, not as in male, female, but man, as in mankind. They are in two species. There's a natural man, and they are all descendants of Adam, who became a living soul. Then the Bible says that Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Jesus, you know, it's not a joke that everything, the dates of human beings, are, his life is used to divide human beings into the epochs, the ages into two. Before Christ, and then the year of our Lord. So you have B.C. and A.D. Then those who don't believe in God said no. They so said you can't impose upon the whole world. So what they did was that they changed it and said B.C.E. and C.E. So if you read some books, you see what you call 500 B.C. They call it 500 B.C.E. And then what you call 2000 A.D., they call it 2000 CE. Now, it's still the same thing. B.C. means before the common era. CE means what? Common era. It's just human means trying to reject Christ. so change the, they, they couldn't change the dates. When Jesus came, his coming, it was not just a Jewish matter. It was not just a human history matter. It was a creation matter. The stars responded to his coming. I hope you're getting my point. The stars responded. The alignment of the stars, it, 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 it reflected his coming. A particular star stood out. People could follow it. Listen, the whole universe knew that Jesus came. Listen. The seventh day, God sees from his works. I'll, i begin my point. The coming of Jesus, he began a new creation. And you must understand, first day, six day, seven, seven day, normal way, there's a cycle. The new cycle began with Jesus. God rose up again and began to create. This time around, the creation was not physical, it was spiritual. The angels knew that a new set of people are now going to be born. So Jesus, therefore, was called the last Adam. And the second man. I hope you're getting my point here. That is of the old creation, he took on flesh and became what the Bible calls the last Adam. But then he now became what they call the second man. Adam being the first man, the first species, and the descendants or the children, you know, because Isaiah said, I am the children of the Lord has given me. All the people that are in Christ, they became what? The second creation. So there are two species of human beings on the earth. One, The old one, Adam, and then one, the second one, the people of whom, Christ. Let me quickly say this to you. Ethnic divisions of mankind belong to the old order. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. You see one of the reasons why the power of God is not manifested on this earth is because people who he called as new creations in Christ Jesus, they use a hand to hold on to the old order. You know, yesterday on TV, was it this morning? Yesterday night, yes. I stumbled into a program on um, God TV. I think it's God TV or Inspiration. God TV, all right, on God TV. And this old man was speaking. We didn't know it was an old man. I would have thought he was like 58, 60 on the course of his, in the conversation, he said, Listen, I'm 70 years old. And just like just last year, a young woman, white woman, is an American pastor, came down from her car, tossed her, her, her keys to me and said, Take care of my car, boy. The man was speaking until he broke into tears. They were talking on racism. He was hosting the program. It was a Zoom program. So he was in the studio. And then Rick Warren and some other prominent ministers, you know, about six or eight of them, they were there and he was talking to them. Talking about the problem of the blacks in America. That we got here a few years after you guys, but we have never felt like we belonged here. And they, they kept on talking, conversation, you know, we should need to have a conversation. When he broke into tears, one of them quickly took over and continued the, the, the conversation because the old man was crying. I don't want to get into that now, all right, the details. But what I said to my wife is what I want to talk about. I said, all this one they are saying. Requiring and quite talking. I said, you don't need a conversation. I'm sorry to say tell them. You don't need a conversation. You don't need a conversation. The main problem you guys have, which we also have in Africa, because I've never looked on a white man because of it too. I have seen a man and a brahman discuss, so I know what I'm talking about. So are you getting my point? I am in Enugu here. So let's talk about ourselves here. Are you getting my point? I asked one man once, I don't go to good there to help this uh, this teaching hospital just began. He said, you know, these Udi people are the ones, co- uh, these uh, Kano people. Which one is that Is that Encano? Yes. yes. He said, Encano people are the ones controlling it, and he's an Udi man. I looked at him, I couldn't believe my, my, uh, yes. i like, sir, are you serious? So, the thing is, a, it's a human thing. It's not a white man's thing. It's not an African thing. It's not an Asian thing. If you know how the Japanese looks down on the Chinese, they don't even consider the Koreans as human beings. I hope you're getting my point. Don't think it's a, it's a white versus black thing. It's an evil man versus evil man thing. Old nature. Yes. Ethnic divisions are there. They are strong. I told my wife, I said, listen, they said, we need to, I said, you don't need a conversation about it. You need a realization of what you all have become in Christ Jesus. Because in the new man, we are all one. There's no white or black. You know, I was watching TV again. One man said, how will you support us to reach Israel? I said, I won't support you. (laughs) I said, I will not support you. I told my wife, please don't be angry. I said, my problem is not Israel as a people. They are another set of unbelievers, so I love everybody in the world. But anytime you want to bring it up as if it's a duty I owe to God, it's what annoys me. You know, you see the man sitting there and say, hmm, as if we are reaching a special group of people. That's only after the old order. There is no promise to anybody outside Jesus Christ. Let me quickly say to you, so you understand. I know one day some people will say that Pastor Banke is, is uh, anti-Semitic. It's not true. I am pro-Jesus sick. Are you getting my point? That is what I am. And I'm saying that in Christ, Jews are, and Gentiles are the same. And one is not more precious than the other. The blood, the body of a Palestinian, the blood, the body of a Jew, as far as Christ is concerned, he died equally for both of them. So I don't see why I should take the money that could evangelize the people in Benue state. And take it to Jerusalem, unless there's a special reason. If it's about each individual, I have done as much work for God. If I go give my money to a Gentile nation a, a evangelism a evangelistic outreach, as I as I have done, I would have done if I gave it to the one going to Israel. It is not true that one person is special. And let me quickly for those who are thinking about it, let me tell you. He said the promise was to whom, Abraham, and whom. His seed. Paul said, not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And that seed is whom? Christ. So it is Christ that is special, not the descendants of Jacob. I love Jews. I love Arabs. I love Congolese. I love everybody. Because the new man that God forms in Christ does not distinguish according to these racial divisions. Those are the descendants of the old order. Adam. It's in Adam you find that this, is a, this man is a Jewish Christian, is a Jew and a Gentile. In Christ, they are all the people of God. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, don't give offense either to Jews or to Gentiles or the church of God. Once we're in the church of God, we are all the same. My wife and I discussed yesterday extensively about it. I said, this is the problem we have. People don't understand it. You see, you know, Derek Prince says something. That missionaries will come to Africa and listen to this. If you're a white man, you are listening to this. Or maybe somebody will give it to his white Christian friend one day. Let me see, explain it clearly. This is the problem we often have with some of our white brethren they consider missions to africa as a matter of love for people who are in need it's very annoying i wanted to know it's very annoying when i see people on tv show some poor african kids running up and down you insult me i feel ins- i don't appreciate you i despise your good works in america there are poor people i have seen a naked woman stuck naked on the streets of houston that day, I closed my eyes. I will tell you, when did I get to Nigeria and they did not know? I can still take you to the spot. I was just driving out of my park and ride, coming back from work. I said, What? The woman was laughing, carrying two Ghana must-go bags. <laughs> Sounds funny. I saw it with my two eyes. Was, was it last year? This last time I traveled, it was last year. I you know, we're just a very short. So nobody even know I, go, I went anywhere unless I told you. Well, good, my friend just slowed down all of a sudden. I said, what is It's in the middle of traffic. We handed money to some, one white boy and one white girl. I said, he said, do you know why I did that? He said, they are white and they are begging. I said, so? He said, I want to encourage them to keep coming back. <laughs> he said, because. <laughs> See, there are poor people everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say. There are poor people everywhere. The last time I traveled, my brain was having the meeting. I was, there, I, was there, I was the speaker for the meeting. That's why I traveled. So, we took a trip, went to Washington that you not know, just a field. They just moved around, saw the nice sights. So, I saw a lot of people hanging around. I said, Who are these people? They said they are homeless people. I said, Why are they homeless? And they were sending it to me. I said, Oh, so you have, so please, when you want to show poor people, there are poor people everywhere. But they keep on showing these poor Africans, and unconsciously, you create a picture all over the world, that this is what Africa is about. Needy people. And that's what annoys me about my, our brethren. Let us do these things ourselves. Stop writing on be people to send you Bibles. We can afford Bibles. We can. I feel like writing to all the people in America and go, don't mind Africans that ask you for things. They are They are thieves. there's no Bible we can't afford. How much is a Bible? How much is a Bible? Don't we buy cars? Don't we build houses? If you want Bible in large numbers, they will give you for less than a thousand naira for one. You know what that means? By the time you put down the cost of a brand new Corolla, you know how many Bibles you have bought? Don't you buy these Corollas every day? Be insulting yourself. Poverty is our portion. Help us. What was I saying when I got, I, became confu- I became confused like this? know mm, yeah, I've been talking about old man for a long time now. Just trying to say something. Anyway, I will try. And I'll, I'll, I'll find my way. I'll find my way back there. I'll, I'll, you know, that's the way it always is. I will just eventually get back to what I was in after my emotions have carried me to where God did not send me. The Lord is good. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was trying to explain something to our white brethren. Okay, yes. I was giving them a message. So, this is the problem they have. Yeah, and I said that if you are watching this, and you have to show it to your, your white friend, you understand? We don't appreciate those good works that look down on us as if we are particularly disadvantaged. We don't like it. We don't want it. Stop raising money that there's one poor boy in Africa that can't go to school. God can send him to school. I can send him to school. Connect us with each other. Stop showing the picture all over America. Stop. It's not good. The are said this is the problem they used to have. That missionaries will come down all the way from Europe, from America. They will come down to Africa. They will give you water anytime you ask for it, but through the window. He was a missionary in Kenya. He saw them. Superiority feeling. You know, this feeling of superiority. So I'm condescending, you know, like I'm coming down to your level to minister the gospel to you. They never saw themselves as equal in Christ. That is the problem of racism. That is the problem of racism. That's all. The inability for Christians to see themselves as the same in Christ Jesus. So, you raise money, like I was saying, Americans, a lot of our brethren, Europeans, they will send money to those poor Africans. But if one handsome African brother were to see your daughter and approach to marry her, you will question her, seriously, why? In case you are like that, all your offerings are not acceptable to us and to our father. I, I know what I said. You just lost your money. The money that cannot rightfully descend the body is not acceptable to the Lord. What nonsense. Leave that to WHO, Oxfam, no, not WHO, UNICEF, Oxfam, Red Cross. Let them do the good works. Don't send to Africa dollars as if you are sending to beggars. If you are a Christian missionary, don't come down so preach to people you can never see as one, as equal to you. Stop wasting your time. There's no reward for you anywhere. Derek Prince, on the other hand, he said he had problems with the other missionaries because of the way he behaved. He went into the homes of the black people, the native Africans. He went into their homes. He left there with a the Kenyan daughter. Do you know he? The, they had problems, the other. In fact, let me go into those details. The, the, their negative spirit affected him from other missionaries, white people. That's the problem we have when we don't rightfully descend the body of Christ. So yes, my wife and I were watching it yesterday. That man was hes a pastor in America. He spoke and spoke. I said, listen, all all of you and your panelists are discussing. We we don't need any talk in that direction. How do we integrate? We don't need to do do acts of integration until we know that we have been integrated in Christ. There was one big main minister at that time. He caused a lot of problems in America. Why? Because he made a statement like, we love them, we don't date them. So I said, that's the problem. Who is them? You say we are believers and you are using the word them for those who are black. The deeds of the flesh includes what? Divisions. Yes. Divisions that God does not recognize. Divisions that God did not create. Divisions that he eradicated in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus said there is one body. When God wants to divide the body of Christ now, it's just to push people into functional areas. So, you'll say some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, governments. They it give giving different names for the function that you perform because you all have the same promise in Christ. Don't let anybody steal the promise that God gave you in Christ and say it belongs to the descendants of Jacob. It doesn't. All the promises of God, they are what? Yes and amen in him. See, listen, this is what I'm making. So when you give your life to Christ, literally, you have become a special subset amongst human beings. The things that characterize the other human beings don't characterize you anymore. The divisions they recognize, you don't recognize them anymore. Their ambitions are no longer your ambitions. You may not understand it yet. The thing that God puts inside you, John, because the seed of God, it dwells inside you. The John that explained that to us. So you see, that was what Jesus did. Before his death, remember he was the last Adam. You understand? And then he became the, the, the second man. And he was the first of the second man. After he rose up from the dead, he now breathed that new spirit into the disciples. What's that new spirit? It's the seed of God. What does it do? It makes you do two things. One, the milk of heaven becomes palatable to you. And number two, the company of believers becomes your desire. So David will say things like, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That house of the Lord is not a cathedral. That house of the Lord, are you getting my point? It's not a physical building. When Nathan came to um, David. And God said through Nathan that you will not build me a house, but your, de- your seed, your descendants will build me a house. He wasn't talking about Solomon. We misunderstood it. David misunderstood it. He was talking about Jesus Christ. And you and I are now being built as that house, as that temple. We are what the Bible calls what? Living stones. Or King James said lively stones. What it means are stones with life in them. So when he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? Where living stones have been arranged together. It's a company of believers. It's a fellowship of the saints. Not a, not a, not a physical building. You know, on my wife's birthday, some of our sisters here gathered to come and celebrate her. Girls only, so boys were not allowed. So boys, you know, some, of, some of us boys were around there, but we're outside. Then at the end of the day, of course, I came, took a picture of them. They stood, they were praying. So later on that night, I think it was the Holy Spirit, early morning. I woke up, I was studying my scriptures. Then I got to Psalm 142. And then he said, The righteous surround me because you have dealt bountifully with me. I showed my wife the picture. I wrote it on it for her. I said, look at yourself surrounded by Righteous women. I said, this is the blessing of God. He said, the righteous surround me because you have dealt bountifully with me. That was what David was talking about. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house. That is the house of the Lord. That is the house of the Lord. That's one thing that is seed of God in you. That's what it does. It drags you towards people like that. You rather be there than in the tents of ungodliness. When unbelievers gather, even though you were amongst them before, suddenly you are uncomfortable. You are uncomfortable. And listen to me the gathering of unbelievers is a bad thing. Listen, let me say one more time. I don't know about women, though. maybe women are good in themselves. I don't know, no, they are also bad. Men, particularly, are made from the dust. They are evil. When unbelieving men gather, they are never up to any good. You will hear that bosses, different bosses of big companies, they came to meet in Enugu. Somebody will have arranged lots for them. Married men. I thought it was an unusual thing. No, it's consistent with them. I have two friends in mind now. They gave me their experiences. They went for the gathering of unbelievers. Both of them, when they returned to their hotel rooms, how it happened, they don't know. There were girls inside there waiting for them. They came and told me, Banky, this was what my eyes saw. And these men do it every day. That's why a true believer... Rejoices when they say, let us go to the house of the Lord. When brethren gather. When the people of God gather. is a gathering arranged by God's spirit. Where he increases the efficiency of the seed of God inside them. When unbelievers gather. You know what they call gather? When they gather. Evil people. Plotting iniquity against the Lord. You know, men are very funny. They get you know. You think they change? They get worse with age. They perfect their orukuruku. <laughs> with age. I'm talking about the seed of God. You no, know, we talk about righteousness. I, I said something along the line, so please understand this. I said something about Job briefly. I said I want to talk about Job, but I now dropped it. I may get back to it. If I get somewhere along the line, okay, in the matter of righteousness, I might. So when you are reconciled to God, that's a new birth. Remember, all we like sheep have gone what? Astray. When you are reconciled to God, that is a new birth. When you give your life to Christ, what God does is to put his seed inside you, a real creation, a real tangible spiritual activity. At that point, he declares you righteous. At that point, he says you are righteous. Righteousness is conferred upon you automatically. Righteousness does not come... Now, first, how do you give your life? How do you get born again? It is simple. It, it comes through accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called believing. If you believe, you'll be saved. Please give me a second. Second. Let me talk about repentance. And let me quickly explain why you, we don't see as much true conversion as we are supposed to. Now, first of all, let me say this. We are responsible. We, with the preachers, the teachers of the word, we taught a wrong doctrine to the church of Christ and then they spread it to the world. So a lot of the world came to church but they don't have the seed of God in them. Many of them learned the, the mannerisms of the association. I hope I get my point. And in their exercise of our mannerisms, they got promoted. So times came in which we had heads of churches that don't know the Lord. We preached a wrong doctrine to the people of God, and I want to talk more about that today. Remember, these are the points I'm trying to make. When we truly give our lives to Christ, it's by believing. When we believe in him, we, when God sees that true faith in our hearts, he pours a new spirit into us. And that's what we call the new birth. We become literally born again. But that is the Okay, let me say this. That's the point of salvation. The salvation past. That's the point of reconciliation. At that point in time, our faith is counted as what? Righteousness. Righteousness does not come because of what I have done. Righteousness comes because of whom I have believed in. I hope you're getting my point. Righteousness is not a result of the good works that I did. Righteousness is a result. That is, righteousness is a stamp of approval on my person. Righteousness is a stamp of approval on your person. God looks and says, you have satisfied my, listen to these words, my minimum requirement. Therefore, I give you the certificate called what? Righteousness. It's important we appreciate that. And now that certificate is given based on faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. Now this is the wrong doctrine we preached. What that faith is. That is where we spoil things. That's why we do not see as much true new births as we think. People filling the forms we give to them at crusades. That does not mean they have given their lives to Christ. Joining the church and taking a tithe card And giving regularly does not mean they have given their lives to Christ. This Christ phenomenon is a very dangerous thing. People stumble over it. I hope I getting my point. It's set for our blessing. But unfortunately, it also becomes what? A stumbling block. If you know how to live your life, if you know what is righteous to do, and you want to get God's approval by it, Christ becomes for you a stumbling block. I like one thing Pastor Delvan said. I was listening to him. And I never saw you know, I used to say one thing before. Now, what I've said is correct, but there's another way he brought it. I said, people say that it's only Christ Jesus, it's only Christianity that's the true way to God. Do you understand? And this is what I used to say. That there are there are true, there are many ways by which you can seek God. But any way by which you try to seek God, any way by which you try to understand Him or come to Him, will always end you in Christ Jesus if you are going to get to the Father because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But Pastor Devan said something which I had never heard something like that before. He said, there are many ways to God. Go any way you want to go. He said, you will reach God. He said, but when you reach Him, what you will find is what we are talking about. He said you either get there to find mercy or you find judgment. He said the only person that brings you there and you find mercy is Jesus Christ. Any other person bringing you, brings you for judgment. I said, Father in heaven, revelation. So if Buddha brings you there, you come for judgment. And even in Islam, they teach it like that. Your works will be weighed. So you follow them there, they bring you for judgment. Nobody else that you follow, everybody else you follow apart from Christ Jesus, they bring you for judgment. But if you come in Christ, he pays your debts. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, Listen, remember the story I told you about um, uh, Junite, something, uh, uh, Ginodu. This pastor, Paul Ginodu. Paul Ginodu was brought up a Muslim, in a Muslim home. They told Paul Jinodu, you pray five times a day. There's no waiver. If you have lived for 300 days, you must have prayed 1,500 times because five times a day. However, something happened to him. His mother took him abroad where the environment that time did not fit his praying lifestyle. So he lived for like three years without praying once. So in trying to reconcile himself to God, he was thinking, how will I pray my prayers? Now there's just one problem. How long will you live to, so, you have to be paying 10 times a day for the next three years to pay for the last three years. But along the line, somebody invited him for a program. And he found out that Jesus was alive. Because he saw a miracle before his very eyes happen. So, when they say, Who will you give your, your life? If you want to give your life to Christ, come forward. He reasoned about it. If I go my normal Islamic way, I'm owing three. <laughs> do you understand? Times 365 times five. In prayer. But they told me Jesus forgives. He went through Jesus to the Father because it was cheaper. <laughs> it was later on he found out that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. The day he accepted Christ, it was because they told him Jesus forgives. I'll be getting my point. That Mohammed doesn't forgive you. He can't. He never said he forgives. His prophecy does not include forgiveness. What he said is that do this and you'll be counted worthy of peradventure salvation. I listened to some analysis. David personally analyzed it. That it's one of the reasons why you're able to recruit suicide bombers. Because they've been taught more than, I don't know whether it was like that then, but more than time they've been taught that that is one way to guarantee salvation. But Paul did not hear the truth that Jesus forgives. So if you come through Jesus Christ, you find what? Mercy. Now, please follow this. So the problem is that we taught people, I said Jesus is a stumbling block for those who don't believe. And listen to me, people of God, many people who are in church don't believe. Some of them have become pastors. They don't believe. They have been ordained regional pastors. They don't believe. Now, please follow what I want to say carefully. Do you know why I say they don't believe? They were taught that the morality of Christianity saves. So the man came to church, said, I will not humanize anymore. The man came to church, he said, I won't steal anymore. The man came to church and said, I will pay my tithes. So they said, give first fruits, he gives it. Redeem your first bond. he redeems. He keeps on working every day on the same basis that a Muslim works, looking for salvation. Listen to me, he will never find it like that. Now, we pastors are very dangerous people, though. Because people like that, we promote them. Apostle, you were in the promotion <laughs> committee before now. This man used to collect recharge card promotion time. We promote them. Think about it. Why won't I promote you? You come to church twice a week. You are very faithful. Let's go somewhere. You will follow me. You call me daddy. You give to me as the daddy. then you give to the church. I see your tithe is consistent. Either it's transfer or checks, I see them. You know what I do? I consider you faithful. So I'll tell my minister of promotions to move you forward. So you start at the last row. then after two years of this kind of thing, you are in the first row. The next time there's ordination, who else will I ordain a deacon apart from you? What I don't know is that you have been serving God after the flesh for the last few years. You are looking for salvation. You have not found Jesus Christ. And because you keep giving, I keep encouraging you. I tell you, give so that your children will be safe. So you give when your children are going back to school. You pay their school fees and pay their protection money. I am the high priest. No, the priest of the protection. I collect it and I lay hands on you. And if you are a pastor, you are listening to me, God will punish you if you continue like that. Please don't laugh, oh, because I really mean it. God will arise as an enemy against you. He will put his sword upon his thigh and strike against you. Why? Because you have healed the hearts of the daughters of the people slightly by saying, peace, peace, when indeed there is no peace. You hear the way I preach? You can give to kingdom, what you can give to me, I will bless you, but I don't promise you nothing. I don't want you to put hope in it. If I take hope from Christ Jesus, he will punish me. Paul said, I've been careful to expose no one to you, nothing to you apart from Christ and him crucified. If I cause you to hope in anything, apart from the finished work of Christ on the cross, I'm asking for divine judgment. I know pastors, don't people pastors don't like the way I talk. They don't understand. Apart from the things I'm saying being true, I'm also trying to play safe. There are pastors that God will look at and say, you have taken my wife. And you must understand that God is jealous. You have caused the people to hope in something else apart from what I did for them on the cross. They have hoped in their offerings. They have hoped in their tithes. They have hoped in your prayers. Not what Jesus did for them on the cross. They hope in the prayer that you pray. Instead of of your prayer exposing to them That Christ is salvation. Christ is protection. You are safe in him. You are complete in him. He's the source of your prosperity. He's the source of your life. He's the protector of your children. Unconsciously, you have made them think it is your prayer. So when they want to leave your church, they are afraid. Because babang, bejo, go vex. They are babala, do you understand? And pastors have threatened stupid threats like, I will remove the cover from your head. Pastor, listen to me. If you say that again, the cover over your own head is gone. What is wrong with you? Did you die for them? Hi. Listen to me. Many people, and listen, if if you are an officer in the church, they promoted you because you've been giving money. Resign for six months just to be sure you are saved. Because people like it. They want to see what their money has done for them. After all, he built a house in Lagos. He built one in Enugu, one in his village. He has even bought one in America. So what else will you do with money but buy eternal destiny? Like the Egyptian pharaoh, he said, where do I bury my gold that I might be able to take it into the afterlife? They say, give it to the pastor. So the pastor stands there and becomes, you know, the, the monitor of the portal into eternity. And you see, we used to laugh at the Pope those days and the church of those days that they collected indulgences. But we modern day pastors, we are fat on indulgences. A lot of offerings we collect. God says, oh, but eat that one because I'm not going to bless anybody. Better make sure you can bless them and use small diarrhea for you because that offering is not mine. People brought it to the pastor to buy deliverance. They bought it to the pastor to buy salvation. But salvation is only found in faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's a matter of fact. <laughs> That's a matter of fact. A lot of people today in church, they are not saved. They are not saved. They are not saved because salvation is through genuine faith. Not by works. They are not doing the works of the law, I know. But they are doing the modern works of modern church law. And they are hoping that that will get for them salvation. Listen. Salvation is by faith, but it's by genuine faith in Christ Jesus. Some people swung to the other extreme. They say, just believe and go your way. So, a young woman will tell you she believes. She'll get her, they dropped her in church when she gave her life to Christ. And they pick her up again after church. Then the pastor keeps telling her she's saved. Oh girl, you're not saved though. What did I say? She's not saved. She's not saved. That's another one I want to talk about. Because there is salvation in Christ through genuine faith, not with dead faith. First, some people are not saved because they are not even believing in Christ. Okay, just by the way, how do you know those people really don't believe in Christ? Let me quickly drop that one for you because before I get back to this issue of genuine faith. God does it. He tests people. Under pressure. They show what they really believe. If our both parties, both the ones I want to talk about next and the first set, God tests everybody's faith. You know, two days ago, I was talking with some, hey, two important people, specialist doctors, we we're having a discussion. I said, this is revelation. Hey, God, oh. Something led to it. We started talking about cults. People belonging to cults and all of that. One of them said that my father did not believe all these spiritual things until he had a spiritual attack. Now follow what I want to say. Until he had a spiritual attack. That his body became so hot the water used to cool him down turned hot. You pour the water on him so he might cool down. You check the water, it has become warm. Then they saw marks on his body as if somebody was flogging him. Afterwards, somebody came to the house and said, "Ah, uh-uh, I know what is going on. Somebody wants to kill this man. They have tied him somewhere and they are actually beating him. So they took the man out. By evening, he was back and he was well. So after that, that was his initiation into spiritual things. He was a devout Catholic up to that point. Afterwards, he told me that the man went and cooked himself. Now, what I want to talk about is, he said that I mean real cooking. I said, you mean real cooking, he entered the pot. He said, yes, he entered the pot, they covered him, and he came out of the bush. Now, you see why I'm talking about it? So, he said something, that he and his father wanted to have a chat. That's why I'm talking about it. He said, because the man now went to the other extreme. Their home was full of all kinds of, you know, amulets, jars of all sorts. And the father told him something. That, that's why I'm telling you the story. He asked his father why. He says, his father said, yes, he knows there's protection in church. But, but, that the protection that the church gives requires too much holiness. He can't afford it. The other guy, too, said the same thing. Something has led to it. He said, you know why people don't reach for the protection of God? He said, because God, and you've heard me say this many times, that God makes too many demands. God demands which kind of money they can eat and what they can eat. He makes demands about that. He makes demands on whose wife they can take and which one they can't take. He tells them, once you have taken your own wife, that is yours alone. Every other person's wife is no-go area. He said, so men look at that and find the protection that God gives too expensive. Because, that's what I'm talking about it. They want to continue living their lives while having protection from God. And we pastors have now taught them that all you need to do is say to Jesus, You believe. Then continue living your life and He will never deny you again. I have come to tell you today, it is a lie. It is a lie. Jesus actually makes demands. If you say you gave your life to Christ last year, you had two girlfriends when you gave your life to Christ. This year, they have become three. Listen to me, you were never saved. I know your pastor promoted it because he does not know about them. When your wife reported you to him, he didn't speak because you gave too much offerings. My wife, look, it's a church. If I mention everybody here, we know she went to the pastor. Well, was talking to the wife of the pastor one day, big church. And the woman found out she was the pastor's wife and said, How do you handle this? How does your husband handle this kind of situation? What are you talking about? When wives come to report their husbands that the husbands are committing adultery, they have girlfriends. So my wife was confused Is that supposed to be? Are we supposed to discuss that? them. You will call the people now and tell them, your wife says so, 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 and so, and so. Give them the word of God. You tell them to stop or you discipline them as a church. The woman said, no, no. They are the pillars of the church. <laughs> Rotten pillars of the church. Termite eating pillars of the church. Pillars without iron rod inside. Pillars you want to lean on, they will pierce your hands. You know the truth? The church is full of such people, most of them are not saved. Do you know why? True faith and repentance, genuine repentance, they are the same thing. People say, believe, believe, that's all the Bible says. That is because the Bible did not know you to tell you that repentance is part of believing. He thought you had enough sense to know it. like me, tell you told me to eat, you didn't tell me to swallow. <laughs> you want to be like my little boy Green those day when he was a little boy. If the boy not want to eat, put it in his mouth, he will chew it for you. What you don't know that he didn't stay in there. One day they gave him food in school. Two, three hours later, he was still in his mouth. He said, I told you why I won't swallow this <laughs> You said, eat, I have eaten. Have you? Some of us are expecting the Bible to tell us you shall chew, then you shall swallow, then you shall say, hmm. All the Bible says is eat. But if you look closely again and again in the scriptures, the Bible makes it clear. Paul said that he was sent to go and preach the repentance that leads to salvation. Paul Who taught us faith? He told us that God gave him a gospel to preach, which was the repentance that leads to salvation. Listen to me. For time's sake, maybe I won't start reading out the scriptures now because I have them written somewhere here. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Paul never taught a believing that does not have repentance as part of it. As a matter of fact, there is no separation in scriptures between genuine faith in Christ Jesus and repentance from dead works. I'm saying something, you see where I'm going. When we come to Christ, we do not come to buy assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation is a side product, a side effect Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other all things shall be what? added. Assurance of salvation is not what we came looking for, even though he gives it. When we come to Christ, we come to abandon our old lives and collect the life that he's given us and whatever comes with it. I hope you're getting my point. Because, like I said last time, people want to fool God. They are looking, listen, I've built a house in Lagos. I built one in Abuja. I built one in Enugu, one in my village in Udi here. I've made it. Okay, I forgot the one I, I bought in the UK and the one I kept in America. What else am I looking for? I have a lot of money. How do I so this world is now comfortable for me? How do I make the next world comfortable? They now say to me, Go to church. Jesus will give you salvation to make the next world comfortable. Say, eh, that's the second group I was talking about. They now come and they come to grab. The just dest- that is eternal salvation from Jesus, they did not give. Do- they did not come to give their lives to Him. They came to negotiate with Him. I came to tell you today that negotiation did not work. The pastor accepted you. Jesus did not. Please, the thing is hot in my body. A lot of people who are in church. They are going to hell. A lot of people are in church. They, are, they will be damned eternally. Because they came to bargain with the Lord. They did not come to give him their whole lives. That was why he told one man like that. He said, sell all you have and give to the poor. That one ran away. He said, then come and follow me. You are saying, what must I do to gain eternal life? The problem with that young man was that he had gained temporal life. So he wanted to add eternal life to it and be safe. We now say to him, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my life, come into my life. I accept as my personal Lord and Savior. It's a chant. It's a mantra. He just chants it. They will not say these are the rules of the church. Come two times a week. Give tithes of everything that you get exactly what those people were doing. Then he does it. And I say, go. You are saved. Then when he starts having doubts, we start preaching assurance of salvation to a man who was never saved. Do you know why? He came to buy something that Jesus does not sell. He didn't give his life. Many such people, please, as I'm speaking, As you are listening to this, Holy Spirit will be taking taking you up on your matter. I don't know you. In fact, I have a feeling that most people who I'm talking to are not even inside this hall. They are out there listening to me on various social media platforms right now. And maybe you will hear this on a recorded message. So I'm not talking to you. I don't know you personally. But the Holy Spirit is on you. And he will let you know, oh boy, you never gave your life to me. It's a business transaction we have been on for the last six years. That business transaction has promoted you to help the king. It has promoted you. It has promoted you. That's why people come to God and they expect Him to do something for them. Read your Bible. None of the saints you saw in the Bible had the liver to demand anything from the Lord. None. Go and read your scriptures. None. Paul. The first thing Jesus told Paul is what you are going to suffer for me. The first thing Jesus told Paul are the things he was going to suffer. So much that even where God did not want him to go, if you want Paul not to go, don't tell him you will suffer there because he said, "Ah, that was what I signed for. People were prophesying to Paul, don't set foot in Jerusalem. They prophesied by the Spirit. People have interpreted it different ways. Some say, listen. But the problem was that Paul, they told me he would suffer. He said, suffer. Is that the new thing? Before I went to Jerusalem, let me tell you what I went through. You know, <laughs> I've not been to Jerusalem. Let me tell you how many shipwrecks. Without going to Jerusalem, look at the number of stripes. Without going to Jerusalem, look at the number of these I did not eat. Without going to Jerusalem, let me show you the perils I suffered in the hands of false brethren. Paul will come to church people like Alexander the Coppersmith will be on his case. He says, so what would they do in Jerusalem that I have not seen before? James, he said, consider it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations because the trial of your faith works worth patience. He said, what is God doing in your life so that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing? Peter, ah. Peter said, just make you, are you suffering? Peter said, just make sure you, you are suffering and you did not commit any sin no. That's the only thing Peter offered them. That he said you are suffering. Is it for your sin? They said, I no. say it's good now. He said, Prophet, what did you say? He said, you are in prison. I said, did you steal the money? You said, no, it's because I was preaching the office. Said, ah, praise God, though. Praise God. He said, ah, it's good. You are privileged. Shake my hand. You suffered for Jesus. Hey, yeah, you are a real brother. But you know what we preach? As you are giving, God will be giving back to you. It's a lying gospel. We've bred businessmen who don't love the Lord. It's just what he can give. Those people, when they gave their lives to Christ, they knew it was over. Peter, the day God gave him a massive breakthrough in ministry, he said, ah, this, my master, depart from me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, now I've caught you. Follow me, you now, you'll be a fisher of men. He said, follow me and I will make you. That's what I'm going to. I will make you. When people broke and began to follow the Lord, they didn't know where he was taking them to. When he, when he, when he rose up from the dead, he called Peter. He said, follow me. Peter was good. He said, what about this one? He said, what didn't concern you? He said, I saw you, just follow me. You know what he told me before that time? He said, listen. When you were young, you did what you liked. He said, as an old man, people will take you where you don't want to go. And the Bible said, by that he told him the kind of death by which he will glorify him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He told Peter, follow me." The Bible didn't tell us where he and Peter went. You know when we follow the Lord? We don't know where we are going. We just know he knows where he's going, and wherever he takes us to is good. Good by his own standard. though Patmos does not look good to me. Patmos, you want to go to Patmos? If Jesus said, "Come to Patmos," I will show you vision. I said, "I don't need the vision. Write it down. I will read it." <laughs> if you want me to come to Patmos, just say, "Bank, go to Patmos." Don't promise me vision. What am I? Like somebody said, you know, when they were clapping for all the healthcare workers in Europe, for all the work they did, so they wrote a cartoon that: How would this clap buy food? I'm be, you know, I won't lie to you. If Jesus comes to me and says, you see all those visions that John saw? If you come to Patmos, I will show it to you too. I say, Jesus, if I don't come to Patmos, shall I still get to heaven? And hey, leave it now.
1: <laughs>
0: Patmos is not a nice place. The other day I was thinking about Jonah. No, not Jonah. Noah. Yesterday morning and today. Yesterday evening and this morning. And I felt sorry for Noah. None of us, we have been so fixated on the deliverance that God delivered Noah. We forgot the loneliness afterwards. No, think about it. They say the whole of Enugu and the whole of Nigeria and the whole of the world, they are sinners. So only you, your wife, and your children. Enter one boat. After one year, the boat comes down. There's no shop, right? There's no spa. There's no... (laughs) Lay you. Why do you think Noah began to drink? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I never thought about it before. We are so filled with Noah, deliver, deliverance, deliverance. You come back, no friend, no enemy self. No enemies give you purpose. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody. Just you, your wife, your children. Following God is not as rosy as we have tried to paint it. There is a, there's a rosy endo One day we will see the Lord. There is a rosy endo. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. One day God will literally wipe away sorrows from your life and from around you. A time will come, death will not be able to take any loved one away from you. Yes, that end is coming. But brethren, there is no faith you have that will make it compulsory on this earth. None. We thought as if there is a faith that can do it. All the faith of Noah couldn't get him company on the earth again. His friends were dead according to the will of God. Old boys' association, gone. Gone according to the will of God. Dubai, shh, gone. According to the will of God. She I have told all of you that she Dubai, Dubai, Dubai. That place was a desert. It will return to desert. You hear what I said? If I, if I wax prophetic for you, you run home. Because I meditated about it again today. I know what led to it. First, what I have preached. Then I heard something Pastor Delvan said. Then I thought about it and I realized that the world has seen nothing yet. The world has seen nothing. See, coronavirus is nothing. You know, it was yesterday, my mind began to, you know, indict some new matters. I just realized that, Banky, this prayer, people are praying that this thing should close. It will close. But what is coming after? Get your minds ready for the anger of God on the earth. Because we have so insulted him. Listen, you will be preserved. But just like Noah, you will have no spa, no shop right, no Dubai. You'll be locked down. Better learn to enjoy the presence of God in your house. I thought about it. Listen to me. If you are thinking of what I will build on the earth, just not now. Forget that thinking for the next five years. Because you don't know where it is going. No matter how, much, how righteous you are, if God says, I'm blowing everything away, he will blow your own house away too. He will keep one for you to stay inside. I Thought about it. I realized what you think coronavirus will end, and that's the end of it. God said, No, I've just started. I will not relent on the Europeans cry. I won't relent until Africans weep. I will not relent on people beg for me. I don't mean this one Lord, Have mercy upon us. <laughs> Have mercy upon us. I'll call you back. We are praying. Have mercy upon us. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Until they lie down, they roll, and beg, Lord, have mercy. You know, we preach a Christianity where people they come to give their life to Christ and like God. I gave you my life, and my money. What are you going to do for me? That's the present we have been preaching. So people don't come in genuine repentance. That's what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what God expects. You cannot listen to me. We used to think that you believe in Christ, they will not show you your life is wrong. No. I don't think that is the issue. You can never believe in Christ until you know you need help. Listen, any faith you claim to have in Christ and you did not know you didn't realize you had needed help, it was an environmental faith. It was environmental. Everybody, in your church house going to church, so you follow them until the Holy Spirit lets you know that you are in sin and you will die. Until the Holy Spirit lets you know that you'll be condemned eternally. Until the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you understand, different ways and makes you fear for your life, you can't believe That was why Jesus said that. He's only the one that's sick that needs a doctor. That was why he could not bless the Pharisees. That was why he could not bless the Sadducees. They never felt they needed help. That was why he could help the tax collectors. That was why he could help the harlots. That was why he could help the publicans. That was why he could help the sinners. Because they were the ones that knew they needed help. That was why they went for baptism. That was why John said, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. They said, Please, sir, what must we do to be saved? The Pharisees were stroking their long beard. Say, John, you are doing well, you are doing well. <laughs> There's somebody having my mind like that. that you, know, you finish preaching. You know, some people, they don't know they are annoying you. You finish preaching, they come by telling how good your message was. If you are blessed, say you are blessed. Thank me, thank you, thank God, and go away, my friend. Don't come and be breaking down my message to me to let me know that I impressed you. You're very stupid. Don't like that. Though. They don't know how angry they are making you. They want to show you what they know. So these things you are saying. These are the things I've been preaching the last six years. I'm happy somebody is preaching it. You'll be looking at him like, Eh, 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 The Lord is good. You can't, look, you can't receive Christ until you, need, you know you need deliverance. You can't. The first thing the Holy Spirit does for you is to let you know that you are hopeless. He lets you know your money can't save you. It lets you know that your sins will find you out. You know what I'm saying? So, so by the time you are believing in Christ, you are dumping your whole life as you are taking on Christ. The problem we have had with the seed of God is this people want to take the whole old life, hold it, and look for space for Christ inside it. Say, Jesus, can you stay here? I have, I have five rooms. This is my guest room, is good. That's how they behave with Christ. So modern day, you see people who give their lives to Christ, you can't suspect because nothing changed with them. You can't suspect. You can't suspect. They can't even tell their girlfriends not anymore. Why? They were not desperate. We have offered Christ to them as icing on the cake. You've made money. You have a wife. You have children. Do you have eternal life? Says Okay, come, let me give you eternal life. Let me say something to surprise you. Well, it might not. Why do you think Paul had to write that there are some of them in Corinth, they will give their lives to Christ and their wives a pack? Some will give their lives to Christ, their husbands will say, get out. You think they didn't have a reason? They were not Muslims. So. But there was such a change in their lives. ha, <laughs> ha. That some husbands couldn't take it. Some wives couldn't take it. Let me say to you, these days, they say churches are full in Nigeria. The country is not changing. Because it's the buildings that are full. My kingdom is not full. The buildings are full. My kingdom is not full. Some woman today, some of you, if you keep abreast of what's going on in Nigeria politics, you may know what I'm talking about. I saw the video. She was saying that, uh, you see, I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. So I will not lie to you. Uh, somebody now tweeted and said, it's people that lie that keep on saying they're evangelists. I said, correct. Friends, I have to prove that uh, no, what I'm saying is, is a government official. What I'm saying is true. Look, I'm an evangelist. What I'm saying is, I'm an evangelist. Once I have to tell you three times I'm a pastor, just know I'm telling you lies. As a pastor, I won't lie to you. In Nigeria. Don't you watch television. Because if you want to watch live, just tune to television. Man. Praise God. God said, I didn't talk to him. Banky, don't mind him. It's money, mammon, that spoke to him. So people say, the country, the churches are full. The country is not changing. God said, listen, you don't get it. The, con- the churches are full. But is the kingdom full? I'm not even talking, listen, I've not addressed baby Christians. So there's babyhood in Christianity in which you truly gave your life to Christ, like we said earlier, but the traits have not yet fully developed. But I'm talking about simple repentance. A man, a pastor in a church, everybody knows that he's a womanizer and he's a pastor of a church. Everybody knows. Now that's not the gist. The Jesus that he now opened his mouth and said the fact that we are pastors do not mean we are holy. And you tell me he's saved. I can bet money on it he is not saved. That guy has never met Jesus Christ. Because if you have met Jesus there are statements you don't make. What am I going to say? The reason why the seed of God is not in many people is that they never came with genuine faith in Christ Jesus. And what am I preaching today? This is what salvation is. God is creating a new creation. In each one of us, he's building a new subspecies of human beings. He said, before my seed is dropped, because once somebody truly gives his his life to Christ, if somebody truly believes in Christ Jesus, God does a new work in that individual. And I'm ending today's message by explaining that many people, God didn't do that work in them because they did not truly give their lives to Christ. They came to negotiate with the Lord. They didn't give their lives to him. What am i saying to all of us here today. Let's examine ourselves. Did we really give our lives to Christ? What does it mean to give your life to Christ? I don't even know how to explain it. It means to just totally abandon yourself to him. If you have any recollection of your old life, it is with, I am sorry, Lord, I was wrong. You know, I said it at that time. It's, I was wrong. My whole life was wrong. Living for anybody but you is wrong. Let me say this to you. If anyone truly like this is in Christ, those are the people that have overcome the evil one. The things I will preach about overcoming Satan, overcoming the devil, overcoming the world, is for people who truly, they yielded their hearts to the Lord. They didn't come to negotiate with him. They are the ones who truly have overcome. They are the ones that, listen to me, if truly the seed of God was planted in you, no matter what the problems in your life might be, no matter what the bondage might be, it will be broken as the word of God is entering. I'm telling you. Why? Because that seed is alive. As it is growing, it is knocking every evil off. Every quality of godliness, as the word of God is entering you, is going to become manifested in your life. That is the way it works. But where we need to begin from? When we are preaching the gospel to people, please, let me say it again. First, listen, invitation to the kingdom of God is not an enticement. you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Invitation to the kingdom of God is not enticement. No. You don't need to promise people things to entice them. Come, and all your problems will vanish. Well, yes. Some problems will vanish. A new set will start, because before you come, there will be no persecution. Once you come, we have persecution waiting for you. You know that. Some people come and their financial problems start, because before they came, they were making it in their own way. I mean, in in a country like ours, many ways to. Are you getting my point? Yes, to collect money, when you give your life to Christ, it stops. You become broke. All your problems don't go away when you give your life to Christ. No? Some, a lot of them will go away, but a new set will replace it. You don't know that? Persecution will replace it. Sometimes, you, you know, people don't know. Oh, God, we are preaching a funny gospel. You give your life to Christ, it does not guarantee promotion. Many times it is demotion. All these things you counted as gain, they become loss. You don't know that? Don't preach a gospel to people that want to entice them. The only enticement that is allowed in Christianity is deliverance. That is, the soul that sins, it shall die. But you don't have to die. I can entice you from the jaws of death. I can entice you this way. That there's eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. It doesn't have to be like that. I can entice you that way. But I'm forbidden from enticing you with worldly things. Let me say something to you to surprise you. I can't even entice you with healing. It's material. It's not that God doesn't heal you, He heals you. But know the truth. There are stories we have heard in which he healed people that did not end up believing. He knew they wouldn't believe. The atmosphere of anointing was so strong, the person got healed and went back to the normal evil life. He heals. I'm not saying it he doesn't heal. But it's not enticement. Those that John the Baptist baptized did not know there was healing coming. Because John did no mighty work. All the goodness in Christ Jesus, listen to what I want to say, is packaged for those who truly give their lives to him. It is just that we can't use it to entice anybody. I like what the David person will say that the love of God, the discussion on the love of God is an in thing. What do I you mean by in? It's for the people inside who have entered into the cult of Christ. How God blesses his children, how he takes care of them, how he provides for them, how he keeps them from evil. is for those who have entered into Christ. For those who have not entered, they don't know what we are talking about. They don't. They don't. They don't. It is after they have given their lives to him. And listen, go and read your Bible well. Before they serve the banquet, they lock the door. You don't even know the kind of food they want to bring. So the question, therefore, is that what brings us into Christ, you will say. I haven't studied my scriptures up and down. It's just two things I could find. One, the knowledge of what really you were made to be created for his pleasure. That's one. And two, the fear of judgment. Yeah, those two things I found out. The Holy Spirit knows how to deal with each individual. The are times it will come to people, and I, I've told you before, many people are very well-to-do. You know, the other day we were talking about this, our Nigerian boys who were doing big jobs, you know what I mean? They were doing real estate, buying and selling, so they were... <laughs> They were showing it to us on Instagram. Somebody said, of course, we discussed it. You know, these, are, these are contemporary gists. Why didn't they just play low? I said, you don't understand. When you have a $100 million and you don't have purpose, you can't play low. You, you can't. What is the job of a $100 million and you don't know what to do with? So the man goes to buy a Bentley and photographs himself say, I just bought this for my birthday. That's purpose. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's purpose. (laughs) You know what I mean by purpose now? Yes. Corrupted purpose. In life, we must have purpose. You must. Otherwise, you go mental. You will go mental. You will go mad. So sometimes, God will give you food, raiment, everything. You do like this. Legitimate. You're not a thief. You do this and $20 million will come. You do one deal. $50 Fifty million dollars will come. You don't want. You are so rich. Yet you wake up every morning. You don't know what the purpose of your life is. Many times you now hear the story that Jesus fits that empty hole inside your heart. They tell you about Christ. Say, so why have I been like this? Say, because you were made for a purpose. You have not been created reunited. You are not being united with your Creator. That's why your life was empty. That's one major reason people give their life to Christ. They know, the Holy Spirit knows what He's doing. I have learned these days not to preach any enticing gospel. If I want to preach, I just preach what I'm preaching now. Jesus is Lord. He's the creator. He's the one that knows how he will talk to you. I don't have any enticement for you. Like I said, the second reason people end up knowing the Lord is that really sometimes through different manifestations, they will know, I have sinned and I will die. Through different manifestations, God will let them know the soul that sins, it shall die. And all of those manifestations, they will realize that no, have mercy on me. Then Jesus saves them. Those are the two reasons I know people give their lives to Christ. But anyone who wants to negotiate with God while he holds to his own life and then takes the good things about eternal salvation and keeps it, he lives a natural life for himself hoping that Jesus will take care of the eternity for him. Please tell the fellow, you are not born again. You have a title. Look, listen, go and read your Bible. Jesus said that the many will come to me and say, did we not work miracles in your name? And I will say to them, I never knew you. You know what that means? We never had a relationship, even though you made it to a high level in church, even though the environmental anointing operated through your hands. I'm convinced more than ever before. Our churches have grown very big. Many of our branches are headed by people who don't know the Lord. I am convinced that we gather people in their multitudes, in their thousands, their millions. On Sundays, they say, Nigeria, there's a revival. God said, you guys don't know what they call revival yet. Though. You have corpses coming to church. They have not been revived. Let's bow down our heads. I think I've spoken enough for today.
1: Let's give the Lord thanks for the word we have heard this evening. That's where we start from. In our prayers and say, Lord... Thank you for sending your word to me. Thank you. I rejoice at thy word. Just give the Lord thanks. Thank you. If you are born again, then thank him for the salvation that you have received. Thank him for saving your soul. If you are not born again, you can do that now. Where you are seated, you can pray a prayer. You can pray a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, save me. Save me. Maybe you backslid. You can say, Lord, I come back to you. I come back to you. So if you're in any of these categories, there's a prayer to pray. You're giving your life to Christ. You're sure of your salvation. Then bless the name of the Lord for that. You backslid. You can return to the Lord. Remember, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, they say, He came to seek and save the lost. So you, are, you can return to Him. Then, if you are not born again at all, uh, then you can start afresh. You can start afresh. You can come to Jesus this evening. You are the reason Jesus came. Uh, he doesn't want you to be condemned. He doesn't want you to die. He came. He died for you. So you can come to Him and say, "Lord, accept me. Help me." You can pray that prayer. What it means is that everybody is praying at this point in time. Everybody is praying. So just talk to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. You are the one that sees the heart of all men. You are the one that knows the heart of all men. You are the one. Father, we thank you. You are indeed the loving Father. We thank you.